Uh-oh, it looks like we piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The Hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever need them. This is not your typical mastermind. The Hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything, joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything on today's show. Th these two people don't need any introductions at all, but I get to give them, which I, I am so honored to be able to have them on the show. First of all, I think the most important person uh, is, is on my, when I'm looking, it's on my left-hand side. She was inspired by a woman that uh, has taken my life, uh, like it grabs a hold of my heart because my mom's favorite singer in the whole entire world was Janis Joplin. And when I listened to her music, it brought me back to my mother. I was listening. I, I mean, I was tuning. It was incredible. Singer, songwriter, uh, on her right-hand side, uh, I believe that every man in the world needs to have a woman uh, that, that will promote them, that will push them to the highest level. And we all know, men, if we don't have that woman, we aren't going to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish, although we stand out front and we talk about these things. But there's a man on the right-hand side, which is a Hall of Fame inductee, the drummer for the, one of the largest selling rock bands in the history uh, of our world. And also, they're both co-founders of, I think, the most important part of what we're going to talk about today, which is the Raven Drum Foundation. And uh, so please welcome to the show, Lauren Monroe and Mr. Rick Allen. Fantastic. Thank you, man. That was a great introduction. Thank I you. love your introduction. That's brilliant. Well, I, I thank you both. And for those of you out there, uh, if you're well, everyone out there listening, you've heard the story that I had two weeks ago when I got invited to a drum circle up in Orange County. I didn't understand the impact that it was going to have on my life. And my friend, who is Lori Baker, said, Hey, you need to come to this thing. And I said, Okay, well, and I, I just came off the hideout, which was the commercial that, that you guys just saw. And I landed in the morning, and then I had an appointment, had to pick up the kids, and then I had to drive up to Orange County. And from Carlsbad to Orange County, it's not that far a distance, but there's a lot of traffic. And I had every excuse in the world, and I was trying to make them to say, you know what, I don't need to go. And what God just kept telling me over and over again, you just need to get there. And I got there, I was a little bit blown away. Um, the, the, the house that we were at was kind of nice, I would say, Lauren and uh, Rick, right? It was okay. 
Yeah. It was, it was, it was an okay house. Um, <laughs> not, I mean, you know, it was pretty normal to, uh, relics from the Titanic, you know, like that's just normal stuff. Incredible. I walk out and I'm freaked out because I was, I thought I was going to experience a drum circle, but Lori said, grab a drum. And I was so, I mean, I was so freaked out at this because I have no rhythm at all. None. And when you sat down and uh, Lauren, you, you took and you led the drum circle. And then uh, Rick, I mean, you've played all over the world for millions of people. And here you are with 45, 50 people. And you guys are just in touch and wanting to serve everybody. Why is it so important that the two of you serve people at the level that you're serving when really you're at a point in both of your careers and in your life where everyone should be serving you? Uh, I think it's, for me, it's pretty simple. I, you know, I, I, I really don't like to see other people suffer, um, particularly the way that I've suffered uh, through some of the trauma that I've been through in my own life. And I think, I think that's it. Um, myself and Lauren find it really uh, comforting and uh, really healing uh, for ourselves uh, to be of service to others. Lauren, help me with this too, because like when we, when we went into the drum circle and again, I'm freaked out. Like I, I don't play instruments at all. And yeah. I think I'm just, I think I'm observing. Now I have to tell you candidly, when Lori told me, Hey, you need to go to this drum circle. She listed off all these names and I looked them up. I was like, Holy, I mean, this is the best of the best. We had uh, widespread panic. We had uh, sticks. We had uh, Godsmack. We had Lenny Kravitz, uh, George Harrison, Little Richard, Guns N' Roses, all the drummers from there, and they're all sitting up in front. This is unbelievable lineup. But Lauren, you took us through, and when you did the drum circle, one of the things that impacted me the most was you sat and you said, hey, I want you to throw in some words that maybe you're feeling right now. And I remember at first, everyone's kind of silent, and they were like, I'm not going first. I'm not going first. Then one person did, and then the floodgates came. Why is that so important, and, and what's the impact that it has on people for you? Well, to say things out loud, first of all, is so important, um, to put them out into this reality so we could hear them and see them and watch other people speak them. And oftentimes, I found in all the drum circles that we've done, there'd be somebody that doesn't want to say anything but has a thought and say they want to release shame or guilt or fear. There's also maybe 10 other people on that circle that want to release the same thing. So when you say something, you're, you're helping someone else release things too. And um, as well as bringing things in, you know, we create in the circles what we want to accomplish and manifest. And saying that out loud is really important than just keeping it in a thought. So that's a part of what we do uh, during the drum circle. So talk to, talk to me too, both of you, um, you know, and you guys get to choose who goes first. I, I assume, uh, Rick, you know your place though. I know my place with my wife. No, no, I, <laughs> you know I, what I mean? absolutely know my place. Um, uh, that's another story. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, it's my issue because, you know, I, I, tend, to, I tend to be an interrupter. So but no more, interrupter. no more. I'm, I'm, I'm not that anymore. So, so talk to us about the Raven, Raven drum, because again, you guys are, both of you are at levels, right? I mean, uh, Rick, just in, uh, what was it? 2019, you just got inducted into the uh, rock and roll humble fame. Uh, congratulations on that. Um, Thank you very much. 
but honestly, you could, you could, you could ride off into the sunset. I mean, you could ride off into the sunset. You don't, I mean, and, and you're out there on the front line serving and you're doing art. You're, you know, serving veterans where, I mean, again, like you're one of the most iconic drummers of all time. When you guys started in with Raven Drum, why was it so important to you and why, why did it hit? I know you were talking about the trauma that you had, but yeah. a lot of people have the idea, but they don't have the action behind it and you have the action behind it. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I think, uh, yes, I'm iconic when it comes to uh, playing drums and, you know, being in the right place at the right time. You know, when I joined the band at uh, the age of 15, but uh, as a human being, I'm not necessarily uh, as iconic. I'm, uh, I'm more of a work in progress. And I think being of service and, um, you know, just being busy with uh, helping others, I think really helps me to attain that goal of becoming a better human being. So, Lauren, who, who threw the line on who first? When you guys met... Who was it? Did uh, was did Rick have a little game, and he, you know, did he say a little something that, that that got you going, or how did you guys meet, and how'd you connect, and who was the who was the person who stepped out first? Well, um, we met uh, as a client and a therapist. So I, I met him as a massage therapist and a spiritual healer, and I did a lot of energy medicine work, and was a teacher at the time. So I met him as a client to help him through a difficult time, and uh, when we met, we knew we had something important to do together. We just didn't know what. And we became really good friends as I counseled him on tour to be able to deal with some of the pain issues he had and um, some of the ADD uh, uh, situations. So help him keep him focused and out of pain. And then uh, we just developed a beautiful friendship that grew. But we both knew that this is something different and special. We just didn't know how we were going to be. And so when the universe provided a time for us to be together we were and as soon as we really got together as a couple we discovered that we had two gifts that if we combine them together could be really powerful and my background in the healing arts and being a healer and a teacher and my background in music i was a drummer i was a percussionist and all rick's trauma and what he's gone through and his connection with people and fans really just made sense for us to to, to partner and create something we could continue for the rest of our lives. So Rick, my wife and I, which I can't wait, uh, Lauren, for you to meet my wife, Brooklyn, because you're going to fall in love with her. She is, I mean, she's an amplifier of everything around her. And it, it has been such a pleasure to be able to be around. And it seems that way. I haven't got to spend, spend a ton of time with you, but it seems like Rick seems to be amplified by you, um, which I think is amazing. Rick, I have a different story than my wife's story of us meeting. She says that she didn't like me. Um, she says that it was really rough. Do you have a different version of? Did you know right, like right away? Did you know before she started to understand that you know you guys had a friendship, whatever it was? Did you already make up in your mind like she's mine, and uh, you know she she's going to find out later? Um, I just felt an immediate uh, connection to Lauren, um, and I think. Uh, you know, that's all well and good, you know, the way that, that, you know, however people meet. But, you know, for us, it was it was an immediate uh, connection. Um, I think all the rest of it, you know, everybody's, um, I don't know, everybody's hurt, everybody's trauma. All that other stuff kind of comes up as you get deeper into the relationship. 
And I think that's one of the things that uh, really we've been working through ever since we met was, was is, re is really the two of us as individuals becoming uh, better people. So you were talking about earlier that you were an icon as far as a drummer, um, icon in the rock world, but you were saying that you weren't an icon as a human being. Can you both explain to us, because we hear this, this, uh, these initials a lot nowadays, more than we ever did. When I was growing up, PTSD wasn't something that people talked about. It was around, but we didn't talk about it openly. Um, especially as men, we had to say, like, you just need to power through this, <laughs> suck it up, you need to go through this. Can you explain to, to people out there what PTSD actually feels like? Because I think a lot of times we, we hear about it. We hear about the, maybe the experiences or whatever. But if you were explaining it to my son, who's 11 years old, who has never experienced anything like that, how would you explain PTSD to someone like that, to my son Maddox? That's actually, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, would, I would keep it really simple. And um, I think uh, some of the feelings that I get when, say, there's a situation, um, maybe I'm, in, I'm amongst uh, a lot of people and there's a, a, a lot of energy. Um, that can sometimes be a, be a trigger for me to where I feel that fight or flight sort of uh, 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 sense where it's almost like, you know, when, when you overdo uh, drinking, say, coffee, you know. For an eight-year-old, say, we would probably define it as if he's, a, if he's a sportsman, if he likes to play baseball or if he likes theater or any, any situation where you would be nervous, we would say that feeling of butterflies, that feeling unsure of yourself, that feeling of clammy hands, your face goes numb, the, that feeling of nervousness. That's one piece of PTSD and what it feels like all the time when you get triggered. And it might happen when you don't even expect it, like when you're just doing dishes or like a panic attack of sorts where you are in a familiar situation and all of a sudden you start feeling that again. So it's very, it can be very unpredictable um, if you don't understand the signs of your body. So, so explaining it to a child would be like that. That's when your body feels like this, this is what PTSD can feel like. I think I think that's a really good one. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just unnerving, and sometimes it's difficult to know how how to stop it. Um, I mean, I can come up with uh, some simple things that uh, you know that we do, and that is uh, being around nature is 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 a really easy one for me. Uh, we call it dominant frequency. You know, being in the presence of something that it's you, greater frequency, yeah, yeah it's a bigger frequency or something that's, that that feels greater than 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 you. So help us too, Lauren, because you you have this connection, right? And you're a healer, you're a spiritual healer. Um, you're in touch that way. How can a person? identify this maybe in a family member, maybe a spouse, because I think a lot of times the spouse or the, you know, the family is impacted just as much. I mean, not, I'm not saying exactly the same, but they're impacted because the actions, because they don't understand the actions of the person. Can you explain to, uh, to someone out there uh, what's, or what were some of the signs? Like, how did you start to understand that, that Rick was going through this? Because I can, I can imagine Rick being a man, Growing up in the 70s, I mean, jumping to the stratosphere at such a young age, 
it's like you have nerves, you have these things, but uh, I, mean, I just got to push through this stuff. I got to, I got to power through. How were you able to, Lauren, um, you know, see it? And then how can people see it in their spouses or their family? Well, I noticed right away because I was familiar with PTSD. I had it um, and was able to move through it and heal, heal through it. Um, just the way he would shut down, uh, sometimes shutting down, not, be able, not being able to cope with uh, just normal stress that you and I may be able to cope with. Just like say a lot of things uh, during a day you have to accomplish and different situations and, and conversations was was harder uh, for Rick and I saw him kind of shut down or the trigger response of being angry. Um, that really wasn't, you know, at the level um, of where I would probably be angry. Most people, um, those are, so, and startle response is another thing that when your nervous system is jacked up, when you've had trauma that way, your nervous system is already amped, even when you're calm and then something happens. We often hear about veterans, you know, they hear a backfire of a car and they think it's, you know, artillery. They think it's, um, they're in combat, not because their mind thinks it, it's because their body has this memory. So I, I saw how Rick uh, was and I, it definitely was noti noticeable to me that he had uh, trauma still unresolved that he needed to, to work on. Rick, can you talk about the, a special guy that I had no idea? Okay, so I get to the drum circle. You can imagine, like, I get there, never drummed in my life, and I look out and I see Rick. And, I mean, Rick, I, I grew up with you. Like, I, in 1987, when, you're, when, when hysteria hit, like, I grew up with you. I mean, I remember going to my eighth grade dance and hearing your songs and being like, yo, I'm going to pick the hottest chick and then she's going to say no to me, but then I'm going to go to the second hottest chick and I'm going to try to dance with her. And then I'll probably get the third or fourth or whatever it is, but I'm telling you, I'm dancing with somebody. So I walk into this party, Rick, and I see you and I'm like, holy cow. And I sit down next to a bunch of people, one of which I had no idea. But he is very special in your life. His name is Norby. And you guys call yourself the bookends. Now, I hesitated to laugh because you guys said it. And I was like, I see it. Can you explain to, to us who Norby is to you and how much he means? Norby's super special. I, I met uh, Norby a long, long time ago through uh, Wounded Warrior Project. And um, at the time, we were both, uh, we were both uh, really suffering in, in our own way and throughout the years we both uh, we both gone through challenging uh, times uh, should i say um I, I, even though we were going through our own challenges i always looked up to him because he always gave me um inspiration uh to this day i mean you know he just he just lights up my life every time i see him um, I mean, what more can I say about Norby other than, you know, he's just, he's an incredible human being. I'm sure Lauren has a, an experience of Norby in, in maybe a different way to me, but, uh, but I, tell him, tell him how, how you see uh, Norby. Well, we, uh, we all met, it was a very special connection with the two of them right away. I think I don't understand that connection because you both have a very similar in, injury, even though it didn't happen the same way. Um, Norby's in combat and um, you had a car accident, but I think that there's an automatic bond that we found with many uh, veterans too, who have lost limbs or have gone through post-traumatic stress, 
that they immediately resonate with Rick because he's gone through such a deep uh, experience and a journey um, that is quite, you know, authentically um, open about. And um, so that that clicks with with vets, especially Norby was one of the first um, veteran that we met who was uh, had a uh, was an amputee. And the two of them just clicked and they've been friends since. So we're happy he came and that you got a chance to talk with them. I didn't know you spoke with them. Now, with both of you being in the in the music industry, right, there's always things that are, are uh, synonymous. And I'm going to make some bad comparisons here, but I'm known for that. So one, okay, so if you take a, uh, a professional athlete, right, and then you hear in the, the news that the professional athletes uh, cheated on his wife, you're like, oh, wow, you, you knew what you were getting into. When you go into rock and roll, there seems to be a little bit more fast life. There seems to be alcohol. There seems to be drugs, things like that. From an outside perspective and an audience member, I'm thinking, you guys have the greatest life of all time. You don't have any complaints because I'm watching it, right, Rick and Lauren? I'm watching you guys perform, and I'm like, wow, she plays the guitar, and she has one of the most angelic voices I've ever heard in my life, Like, and she takes me back to Janis Joplin. I look at Rick, one of the greatest drummers of all time. I'm like, how could anything be wrong? Can you help the audience to understand from your side that you're not superheroes, that you're human beings, and you happen to be really good at what you do, but you still deal with the same kind of things. What kind of things do you deal with and pressures that we don't understand as an audience? Mm -hmm. um, it's, um, there's a lot of energy to, um, to negotiate when I'm out on the road. A lot of different personalities. Um, there, there are always situations where um, there are a lot of people, um, and I think I think that's one of the things that's, uh, that that can be challenging for me. I always make sure to give myself um, a way or a place to retreat. Um, you know, me sitting on the back of the bus on my own isn't lonely at all. It's actually is actually me being good to myself. And, and helping me to keep my nervous system in a place that is manageable, um, particularly before I go on stage. Um, yeah. And some of the mu like mundane things that you mean, like everyone um, who has a family knows, you know, which you have to schedule in family. So we're doing the same things, like trying to schedule around our daughters, uh, you know, of school um you know pickups and drop-offs and trying to work in you know rehearsals and we work really really hard um at what we do um and it's non-stop and so we have to schedule time to to be together it's schedule time to to take self-care is like really really important because like everyone else if you don't take care of yourself and you're on 10 all the time you're that's not sustainable so we're always kind of self-care, try to go to the chiropractor, try to make sure that we eat really well, we, you know, sleep. When you're nervous, when you're doing so many things that are really exciting too, it's like sleeping, it's really hard. So we have to really practice uh, keeping ourselves grounded in the moment, not to go too far in the future with our mind, even though we're scheduling already out to, you know, through 2023, we're already booked, you know, going, oh, wow, we have to stay in the moment. And, and priority is family, making sure our parents are okay. We're lucky we have our parents still. Um, 
we, we take care of them. We, 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 we spend time with them as much as we can. It's just like everybody else. We're very ordinary, honestly. Um, and uh, people don't know that. What, we what keeps you, what keeps you humble? Because like, Say, for instance, I mean, and again, for both of you who are touring all over the world, Lauren, you're on tour right now, October 23rd, you're going to be in Carmel, uh, Carmel, and, and then you're going to be on to New York, and I know you guys are doing that, and you're going, now, I'm going to make a bad comparison again, and as we're friends for the rest of our lives, because I'm going to force you both to be my friend for the rest of your life, you're going to realize that I make really, really bad, bad comparisons, and so here, here's another one. Um, I just came off the road. Now, I didn't play to 100,000 people or anything like that. I think there was maybe 500 in the audience. But I came home and I was high. People took pictures with me. They said hello. They called me Mr. Cardenas. They made sure I had everything. Then I got home. And when I got home, I was like, I was walking to the door. I was looking at my wife. I was like, you want a picture with me, baby? You know what I mean? Like, and she was like, uh, can you take out the trash and do the dishes? Can you talk to can you talk to that kind of experience and maybe some specific that brought you right back down to earth after you have the type of meteoric experiences like the house that I was talking about guys that we went and did the drum circle at it was 38,000 square foot so I just wanted to let you know just a little side note of that with the titanic stuff inside of it and we just happened to be looking over all of Orange County talk to us about coming down and give us a specific Rick maybe that that you've had where it, it humbled you right away um, I think just in the same way that you come home, uh, you know, you expect your own sort of, uh, or sometimes you expect your own soundtrack to, to travel with you, <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of like Star Wars <laughs> theme or something like that. But, but I think, uh, self-awareness and looking in the mirror and being able to recognize your own frailties, um, and, and, and areas in your life where you know you could do better um in, in, instead of you know sort of uh, creating a story that is uh, is larger than life um i think uh, the awareness to realize that um yeah i'm i'm a human being and he's always been that way i, I you know and i think when you work this industry is so full of narcissism it's really, really, it's, it's very toxic. And, and, and I, I've seen Rick and he is always humble. When I met him, he was a very humble person. So it's who he is. And honestly, I don't, I've, I've never seen him take his fame seriously. Like it was something that he wore across when he entered a room, he's Rick and he's consistently Rick um, or Richard as we know him at home. And uh, I think it's, uh, a wonderful quality about him that people are always so surprised that he's not walking in with this big persona because he does those personas are just projections and people's insecurities to be honest um yeah it's not real and what's real about him is that he's just very uh humble and i love that about him well, I can attest to this because, again, I walked in, uh, uh, you know, I had, I had never met you guys. It was the first time that I met you. And when I walked in, I was greeted. I was greeted with such warmth. And on the way out, Rick, I don't know if you remember. I do because I'll remember it for the rest of my life because it, it had started off like, you know, this friendship that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And I was walking out of the house and you had taken some time and you were walking through the uh, walking on the sidewalk in the cul-de-sac outside. And I just said, good night, Rick. And you turned around and said, good night. Thank you so much for coming. And it was just that part of it because you don't have to do that for me. Um, I'm glad you did because I was going to force you to be my friend anyway. Yeah, I'd, um, do that. I'd do that to anybody. And I, I, I think that's just who I am. 
Um, I'm very lucky to have grown up with, uh, you know, post uh, post World War parents, uh, and um, I think I think I got that from them. You know, it's 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 a community thing. It's all about uh, teamwork. It's um, you know, I mean, these things are easy to say, um, a lot uh, more difficult to do. But I think being around that as a kid was good. You know, um, all the neighborhood kids, all the neighborhood parents. It was all about pulling together and and let's make this let's make this work. You know, let's help each other. Rick, can you talk too about like growing up in a different country, uh, the advantages that you have coming into America? Because I a lot of my friends that grew up outside of America, um, when they came, they saw a lot of low hanging fruit. And they were able to go. Now, number one, you got an accent that, you know, you make everything credible. I'm Lauren, you know, like if he says something and I say it, you're like, he was right and I was wrong because of his accent. If I had your accent, I, I honestly, in every endeavor, I would have charged more for what I was doing just because I had the accent, Rick. That is funny. That's what, really funny. <laughs> what type of low-hanging fruit did you see coming from another country? And you said like post-World War II that when you came into America and you, you know, you're around that you saw some opportunities that maybe some people that grew up here didn't see. Um, well, let me tell you something about coming from uh, a place like England. Um for one, I was exposed to many different cultures. I grew up around uh, Jamaicans, uh, Pakistanis, Indians, you name it. There was there was this fantastic uh, cross-section of, of people that I was immediately exposed to. Um, and then the early days of, uh, you know, black and white television in, in the home that I grew up in, um, I was able to see Italian TV. I was able to see German TV and all these stations started coming in and it gave me the opportunity to see how other people were, how other people lived and see the similarities. Um, and I think if I hadn't have been exposed to that, maybe I would have made up the story of uh, our differences. And I think that was, that was one of the things. And then coming to America, I, I saw that, yes, a lot of America it, it, uh, can be, you know, can be like that. There's a there's a camaraderie. Um, but more recently, I'm definitely seeing uh, this division. And it really doesn't need to be that way. Um, it, it's a shame. My father once said, the island of America is too big. And I said, that's really profound what you just said. And I, I find it. I find it difficult when uh, people don't look outside of their uh, their own surroundings or their own county or their own town or their own city. Uh, it's good to seek out things that are different. Um, and then through your perceived difference, you actually find that we have a ton of things in common. And, and I think that, I think that is kind of universal. Um, and that's why we do the drum circle too in it, because it represents so much um, common ground that we have culturally, spiritually, um, you know, music is the way that brings us all together. So I think that's one of the things that you brought to your life here. 
I think I think yeah, I think so. That. Yeah, and just like you said, when you came into the drum circle and you saw me, um, you know, I think one of the things that really really helps me. Uh, particularly with Raven Drum or connecting with people or connecting with vets or, you know, people I've never met before, is that they think they know me because they've been around, you know, not me physically, but they've been around um, Def Leppard's music. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that allows people to, they have a certain amount of trust because you know i've been in their lives um for so many years and you helped me to get like the fourth hottest chick in in eighth grade too um and so you know because i had the, the number one said no number two number three yeah. the fourth maybe four it probably wasn't even the fourth it was like the sixth or tenth but i just i mean i just kept asking so let's uh, lauren let's talk about the drum circle again because and I have to, I have to admit to this, um, and I have to own up to it because we're going to be friends for life, and you're going to find this out at some point. Um, when you went through and you you were talking us through, and it was like it was a spiritual experience, and you started to you know really extract like the emotions and stuff, and you were like throw some emotions. And I, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, throw some emotions that maybe don't serve you, and I was stumped because I was so happy to be in the circle with you guys that all I could feel was joy. So like everyone was throwing in, they were like pain and suffering. And I was like, happiness? Like I wanted to say it, but I knew I would be wrong. But I was like, I am so joyous right now because this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And it, for me, again, I, I, I wanted to apologize to you afterwards, you know, saying like, I didn't, I just, all I felt was joy. And at first I was so apprehensive because I was like, my rhythm was so bad and I'm so glad you can't, you couldn't hear me. But what I realized through it was that every single person has their own rhythm and that rhythm when everyone else is playing theirs, it doesn't matter that yours is on beat or off beat. So you think it's just okay because it's your rhythm. How, like, how were you able to draw that out in people? Cause I knew, I know that where you were taking, you took us there on purpose, Lauren. But I, I was like, I was in a trance. I, I mean, I was just, I mean, that was, a ha that was some of the happiest, not the happiest time. When I married my wife, it was the happiest time. But um, can, you, can you take us through that and how you construct that and how you can, you know, with the drum circle things? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think the biggest thing is to teach um, participants first how to be in the moment and stay and be in a grounded place with themselves. And so uh, doing some guided visualizations helped everybody get to the moment and change the energy. And it only takes five minutes or less to do that. Um, and once you are experienced being grounded, then we can see where we can venture to, where we can journey to with the drums. And in that we go through looking at the shadow. It's, we have to. Um, and the way I've learned it and the way I teach is, you know, the way to, to slay the dragon is to love it. So we have to embrace the pain and any shadow that is in, a, in the world, in our lives, in our families, uh, surrender it uh, to, to tr not only transform it, but to transmute it into something beautiful and good and how we can attract those good things. We need to say them out loud. We say what we need, what we want to fill into our hearts, into our circle, into our families and towns and the world. So every step of this is teaching how to release 
and bring in, how to accept what we want to hide. All of us want to hide something. All of us have some shame about something and look at it as an opportunity to grow and heal together as a group. And so, so each step of the drum circle looks at those pieces, um, mindfulness, acceptance, um, and action. You know, I had the three A's, awareness, action, acceptance, and action are the three pieces to the drum circle um, that we do. And, and we give people tools. So it's not only just in the circle, you can also go away and when you're feeling stressed or you're feeling overwhelmed, have some tools to take home with you. Um, yeah, just to, just to uh, be clear about the drum circle, uh, really there are three, three rhythms that we do. The first rhythm is welcoming our ancestors. The second rhythm is letting go of things that don't serve us. And then the third rhythm is, you know, after you've emptied out that space, bringing in things that do. So, so that's, that's, that's really the, the format. And as you suggest, Lauren leads people through that in a very deliberate way. So Rick, when you were 21 years old, right. And you guys had, you know, uh, you guys had gone to the, again, to the stratosphere, to a place where most people never go because you're one of the, the, the largest selling rock bands of all time. When you get there, did you ever think at 21, 22 years old that you would be uh, drumming in a drum circle and making an impact on people's lives? I mean, because it, I mean, that would be some foresight. But at 21, 22, what are you thinking? Like, wh where's your head at? I want to go to inside that place. Were you as mindful as you are? Because I could tell you, if I was 22 and that was happening with me, I would be a knucklehead. I would be, I mean, and that's why God probably didn't put me in that spot because I would have just gone, I would have gone over the edge. But you seem to have this mindfulness. Did you have that all along, or has this come as uh, uh, over time? No, and it's interesting you chose that age because at 21, that's exactly when I when I had my car accident and lost my arm. Um, I was a knucklehead before 21, and I was a knucklehead after 21. Um, now I'm less of a knucklehead, um, but. Um, but yeah, 20, 21 was a giant sort of uh, full stop at the end of that particular chapter. And um, I, I, yeah, I got, I got through it, but there was a, there was a lot of pain, uh, a lot of mental, a lot of physical pain. Um, and again, to this, to this day, that is something that I have to, uh, I have to work on. Um, Sometimes I have to force myself. Um, but again, going back to being of service and drum circles, working with all different parts of the population, uh, that becomes a gift. So take us to that 15-year-old mentality, though. I mean, because I think that most of the time people want to hear about the, the records and things like that. But I think that you could search any interview and be able to find you somewhere. I want to talk about where your mind was like at 15 years old, when you jumped to stardom, like what is going through your head? Like, are you like, you know, Hey, let's calm this down. Let's make sure and be humble. Or were you like, I'm on top of the world. You need to do this. Where, where was little Rick at? I mean, when I say little Rick, 15 year old Rick, and you're touring the world and you're doing all these things, what's going through your mind? Um, actually at 15, that's when I, I joined Def Leppard round about my 15th birthday. And really, my motivation was I loved to play drums, particularly in a group setting with uh, with other musicians, and and that was really my motivation. 
I had no thoughts about uh, stardom or, you know, where this was going to go. I don't think that really happened or the realization that I, I, I was actually becoming quite well known um, until I heard, I heard myself on the radio for the first time. And that was like, oh, wow, that's different. What's that feeling? You know, and I get I guess I just felt really proud, you know, the fact that uh, that, that I was at that level and um, it, it was more exciting to get, get home. And, and, you know, my parents reaction, my brother's reaction, it was like, you know, that was that was special to me. So it was it was quite small. Um, I didn't really see very much further than the end of today. Uh, I didn't have much in the way of you know, what's going to happen tomorrow kind of thing. As long as I was playing my drums, that kind of kept me in the moment. What is the, for both of you, because again, you guys are, you guys are in front of people, you're public figures. What are some of the things that you aren't able to do anymore that you wish like, you know, Hey, I'd like to be able to go to the store and, you know, get an ice cream sandwich and not have to, and I mean, not to say you don't love your fans. Like I understand that we all understand that. But also, too, you're, you're human beings. Lauren, when you come off tour, you, when you get done with the show and you want to go get you know, some ice cream with your man and just you know, look into his eyes, you're probably going to have a bunch of cameras up in your face and people rushing into you. What are some of the things that you miss that you now maybe can't do as much? We do everything we want to do. <laughs> <laughs> People, people are very respectful yeah, we, and they're very maybe you know just maybe because of rick's injuries and they very respectful and you know if we go out to dinner and stuff and somebody wants an interview they come up and rick is always he's great and he'll be like sure if you want to hang around i will sign after i have dinner with my family i'll take pictures and sign and people are people are kind and good and they're not pushy and you know um we don't really have, and we live in a place where people don't really care that much about celebrity. So it's great. We, we've actually moved away from, you know, um, our old neighborhoods and where everybody was looking at, looking for celebrities to a place where you could, you know, you could be you know, Michael Jackson walking down the street and people don't care. It's great. Now, what for for the two of you guys? You know, getting to play together. I mean, obviously, that's an amazing thing. Both of you have incredible accolades. When you when you get a chance to be able to accomplish the things that you do, what drives you now? Like, um, because again, like you guys could ride off into the sunset. What you've already accomplished in your lives, I mean, most people don't do in ten lifetimes. Um, but what really pushes you forward today to say, like, you know, hey, I want to get to go to this place or that place. The impact of how people respond and the healing that is happening it's just encourages us so much to see people have experiences and breakthroughs and tears and awakenings and revelations and you know the feedback that we get around the work um, and the concerts that we play together is also positive we are feel like we're, we're small you know we're not serving millions of people but the people that we are serving, it, the ripple effect is very beautiful. And that's the legacy and that we want to, to give is people having hope and being awakened to something greater than themselves and having faith in community again and 
connecting to one another in a way that's heart-based, um, that just keeps us so motivated to keep doing it because we're seeing how it works and it's affecting people so positively. That's true. And then when we're out there playing music, um, we just get better at what we do. Um, Lauren gets better at, at storytelling. We, we, I, I become a better musician. I play my acoustic drums when I'm out with Lauren, which is the, the instrument that I first started playing, you know, when I was a kid. So it, it's beautiful to be able to hone my skills on my acoustic drums. And I'm sure Lauren, you know, she feels like she becomes a better guitar player, better singer, better storyteller. So it's all of those things. It, it's um, yeah. It's just it's just that that the idea of things going in the right direction, things going up. You know. So Rick, as as one of the one of the I'm going to say the greatest drummer. I, I texted my brother yesterday. He's a doctor in uh, in Nebraska, and he hit back and he was like the greatest drummer of all time. Oh wow! And, and it was it was incredible. So to the young drummers out there, I would love for you to speak to them, the aspiring drummers. Now, when I went to the drum circle, I could tell you I was like animal, like from the, the Muppets, because I was just all over the place. I was beating on the drum. I was smiling the whole time. I was so, and <clears throat> my rhythm was awful, awful. And you're going to be very nice, Rick, because you've got a great heart. And Lauren, you're going to be healing with me and say that that's a part of my inner child. But I'm telling you, it was bad. <laughs> and if <laughs> it was real bad. And I'll tell you a story here in a second. But Rick, what advice would you have for those young aspiring drummers that are out there and they're maybe in their garage or they're, they've got their, uh, you know, their little rock band in, in seventh, eighth grade. And for those of you listening, this is the greatest drummer of all time. Like if you're a basketball player, this would be like Michael Jordan giving you advice. So Rick, hit him with some fire real quick. Well, if I was going to be talking to your, you know, the youngster that resides within you, I would, uh, I would start by saying, Keep it simple. Um, play from your heart uh, and record yourself. Uh, record yourself playing. I think that's one of the the easiest ways to learn. Um, sometimes what you perceive when you're playing something is not necessarily what it is when you listen back to yourself. I think listening back to yourself is a great way to be analytical and be honest about where you are. And if you're trying to bite off a little more than you can chew in terms of uh, uh, technical, uh, then go back to simple. And I think it's, it's, that, it's that, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And then you just keep moving that forward, moving that forward as you get more um, experience, experience playing. So follow-up question for both of you is <clears throat> there's always that time as a fan, right? So as a fan of a band, you have a favorite band and then the band breaks up and you're like, I mean, why don't you guys just stay together? I like your music. You know what I'm saying? Like you were helping me out. You helped me out get the 10th hottest chicken in eighth grade, Rick. Like stick together. And I look at the greatest rock bands of all time, and I look at, say, like a U2. And I remember when, when, he, uh, when Bono, when they accepted an award, he looked out and he said, I'm so happy to be playing with my uh, high school band or my, you know, my, kid, my, my band from when I was growing up. Can you talk to the fact of a band actually staying together and the longevity? Because I think a lot of times in life and just in our society right now, 
people just want to jump ship as soon as something is hard as opposed to like creating longevity. How important is that on the road to having significance? Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen other bands implode. Um, and it's normally um, egos, um, you know, narcissism. Um, but I think if we all give each other the space, um, like I was talking before about a healthy retreat, um, being able to uh, spend time alone so I'm able to really formulate how I can move through the day in a really efficient and happy way. Um, it's not always e always easy, but if you give you yourself that time, I think it's uh, it make it makes it easier to be uh, better as a team. There are times to come together, and there are times to be apart. And I think that, to me, has been a really good strategy. So this is the, the true Hollywood uh, part of, of the show. And we've never done it before, but I'm going to, uh, like, can you both talk to me? Because you guys, you guys are in some circles. Like, when I went, I think one of the coolest things, okay, I met Lori through a guy named Gary. I don't know if you know Gary Spellman, but I mean, you'll, you'll probably know him at some point. But that's how I met Lori. And Lori invited me to come to the drum circle. And when I got to the drum circle for the first time in that setting, well, not the first time, but I mean, I felt super at home and I, it was, it was incredible that way. And you guys, both of you are around some, like if you were to tell stories about things, it would shock a lot of people that maybe aren't in the circles. Is that, can I, am I correct on that? Uh, yeah. And so when I told the story, which is pretty normal of, Hey, Lori, I go up to the place, you're there, you guys are doing a drum circle, all the stuff, and you know, we got Widespread Panic, we got Lenny Kravitz stuff, we got Alvin Taylor, who's, I mean, oh, I love him. Yeah. And, but can you talk to us about some of you, both of you, Lauren, maybe you could go first, as far as your pinch me moments, because even though you two are some of the most iconic musicians in the world, I mean, do you still have those pinch me moments? Do you still have those like, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so? Because everyone does it to you. Like everybody is like, oh my gosh, that's Lauren. Oh my gosh, that's Rick. Rick, do you have that for other people? We both do. Uh, I think I think uh, one time where I visibly saw it uh, was when we were at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, I think when you, uh, when you met uh, Wadi, I think... Uh, there were a couple of times when you look to people and it's like, I know that person. And then after the fact, you realized who it was. Right. Yeah. But I, I, you know, especially in the drum circle and the events that we do, I'm always focused on people's soul. You know, I'm focused on people's spiritual essence. And I don't, I, ha I haven't yet really had the experience of like, oh my God, that person is, is coming, even if I did look up to them as a celebrity, because I'm there, I'm not, I'm there for a, a reason to help heal people. And I, and I know, and it's so funny that you mentioned that you almost didn't make it. And you kept getting, you know, this saboteur comes out to try to create obstacles before you come. But I'm sure that every event that we have, every circle, every concert that we do, that people get there if their soul needs to be there. And so even if it's a celebrity, 
I know the soul needed to be there. And so I have to be of service of the soul. So any kind of like excitement uh, or personality thing that I may experience really doesn't uh, come into the fact until maybe later and I'll go, oh my God. I can't that no, I mean, there. And yeah. I, did, did I do okay? Or did I, you know, that's how in me. the moment it's yeah. like, no, I'm, I, I'm full of God. I have to, I, this is my job. And I, in order to heal someone, my ego can't be there. It's just not a part of the show. See, I've had, I've had a couple of, uh, uh starstruck sort of moments, uh, you know, meeting Mick Jagger, meeting Elton John, uh, you know, I mean, you name it. Well, when I met Billy Idol for the first time, I was just like, you're in the presence of a of a king. I mean, and he's so humble and sweet, but his energy is huge. Yeah. And that's, I think, the one person I remember when I got a picture with him, and I don't really do pictures and stuff, but I just don't. But with him, I was able uh, to, he brought me to him, and we had our picture. And as I sat next, stood next to him, I really felt this immense energy that was very very um overwhelming um yeah so that that's my celebrity story we but we we both had those moments you know but Um, not in our circles not when we're working no it's less so it's 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 more it's more rock stars that you know that you meet and you go like man i can't believe i'm standing next to somebody that i've looked up to for so long or you know it was going to school music you know, um, you know, it's it's it, it's amazing, you know, to be in this lifetime and meeting people that uh, inspired me or people that I looked up to. Rick, what is something that that you've never told anyone? Uh, something that I've never told anyone. Um, well, a lot of things that I'm talking to you about, I haven't really spoken about the depth of PTSD and what that means. Most people don't really understand um, the details. Um, I mean, everybody's slightly different in the way that they deal with it. But uh, I think every time I, this is an unusual interview for us. This is a little more in depth. So I think it's true to say that there are things that I don't talk about in terms of, um, yeah, really, really the PTSD. I think that is something that uh, not not too many people know about me. Lauren, what do you not tell Rick enough? And if you could just look at him in his eyes and tell him right now. Now I'm trying to think. <laughs> what what does he not hear enough? Because as a man, I could tell you this. I'm going to let you in, right? I don't let many women into the behind the curtain of our, our men stuff, Rick. But there are things that we do that we don't get celebrated for. And right. there's, there's a lot of things. And we'll do like a hundred things. And then you guys, as women, I mean, you guys, you people, <laughs> will say, you'll celebrate us on two of them. But we're like, there was this one thing that I did that it was like the biggest thing ever. And you didn't say nothing about it. And I'm not yeah. saying we get mad, but Rick, Rick's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And every man goes through this. And our wife, like our wife will celebrate us. She'll tell us all the stuff. But I'm like, but you didn't see that one thing. Like, I remember, okay, I'll give you an example. My wife, she said the sexiest thing you could ever do, and I was waiting on it because I was like, I want to be sexy in your world. And when you meet Brooklyn, you'll know why I want to be sexy to her. And she said, and I was like, I was waiting. I was like, she needs me to get in that suit. She needs me to get that cologne. She needs me to, and she was like, do the dishes. I was like, what? 
So I started doing the dishes and Lauren, and when I do the dishes, I'd bend over and I'd be, I'd look at her while I was doing the dishes and I'd just be throwing it out there. So, yeah. but, but there was a lot of times where I'd do the dishes and then I'd get done. I'd be like, I'm a sexy net. And she would just be like, oh, thanks so much for walking the dog. I'm like, you didn't say that one thing. What do you think Rick doesn't hear enough from you? And look at him and tell him what it is. Um, thank you for taking the dog out early in the morning when I want to sleep. No problem. No problem. No, and I'm good with that because, you know, sleep is important, especially for busy folks like ourselves. And we have, uh, he's a great dog, but he can be really annoying, a bit like me. But, uh, he he you know he deserves all the love he gives us so much love so it's you know it's interesting with people who are on tour too and i, I uh who are like he's gone a lot and then i'm i'm like while he's away i'm you know single parenting and doing all the things that both of us usually do and then when he comes home it's kind of like okay you have a certain amount of time to be in your rock star world and recuperate and you don't have to do the dishes. You don't take the trash out. You don't have to, I, you know, I kind of let him reset. And then there's a, there's a certain day that I'm like, okay, you're back in action okay, again. Okay, impress, like, impress me. You know, um, can you help with the dishes today? Or can you like, take, you know, our, our girl to school? And you're, when, you know, you're back on the clock. And um, I, I understand that how couples both need to, to, to honor each other and be complimentary of the small things. It's very important. So Rick, a thing that I think really changed my marriage was, um, I, I, I actually started doing it for my daughter first. This was in 2021 in March. And there was some things that happened with my daughter. She was, you know, she went through the pandemic time, like all of the kids, but she was like in seventh grade, she dealt with some things. And I started writing her a letter every day in a journal. And then I'd write her seven letters and then I'd give her the journal at the end of the week. And then she'd read the seven letters and then she'd give it back to me. And I've been doing this since March of 21. And then in June, or in May, it was May, I did it for my wife. And I started writing her a letter every day, and then I give her the journal. Lauren, you people, a lot of times she doesn't read them at the end of the week, but that's okay, I keep writing them. And what I realized is that it transformed me, not her, right? Because I had to look at things, because I had to be specific. Can you turn to Lauren right now and tell her three specific things of why you absolutely love her? Because you always support me, you always give me um, exactly what I need, when I need it, even though I might push against that. Um, and the fact that you, look, you always look so beautiful. That's Thanks. two. That's two, Rick. You got one more. Uh, you, oh, you went with the first one. I, I counted them. Lauren, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I was giving you a hard time earlier. Rick's got one more. He's on the clock. The first, the first was a two-parter. Mm -hmm. no, you, you ain't getting away with that one, Rick. You may, hey, you may have sold millions of records, but you ain't getting away with that one, brother. I've got one. I've got one. Thanks for giving me the most beautiful daughter on the planet. Oh, there we go. What do you, both of you, Lauren, you could go first, and then Rick, what do you wish people would ask you? Wow, that's that's such a good question. It is. Um, I you know I, that's such a great question. I don't even know how to answer that. 
Um, I know what I want people to take away. Um, but what to ask? What you. to ask? You know, it's so interesting. I don't. Yeah. I don't consider myself a provider of answers, but I do consider myself someone who can very um, create experiences for people so they can find what they're looking for. And so I don't need a question. I do need time to give them a chance to discover their own answers. Does that make sense? That, that was a good one, Laura. You got you, you, did, you did good there. Rick, you better follow that one up. That's tough. That's like following you drumming, like me coming after you. Like I would always open up for you, Rick, but I would never close for you, right? You, but now you have to close after Lauren. That was profound. You better bring some fire, Rick. No, I know. I know. <laughs> Put a lot of um, I find that equally as, uh, uh, yeah, that's a really challenging uh, question. And um, what I find, what I find sometimes, or most of the time, is that um, I don't necessarily know what it is that I would like or what I would want to ask another person. Um, because sometimes you have to experience what that might be before you could actually say, well, I really like that. I like the fact that somebody asked me that. Mm. It's, um, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very tricky question. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lost for how to, what people would ask me. Yeah. What would I want people to ask me? Well, you know what this means. This means we have to have a second episode. Because on the second episode, then we're gonna, and then on the third, we're gonna do a mini series of what we're gonna do, and we're gonna we're gonna walk you through this. Okay, so I, I was with a guy. He, uh, I, I met him at church one time. My dad introduced me to him. He was my dad's friend. The dude was tall, really, really tall. It's like six eight. Six eight is big compared to me. I'm like six seven, so it's like an inch taller than me. I'm joking. With you. <laughs> I just wear black. It makes me look shorter. So he. But I'm 5'10", he's due to 6'8", and he's overlooking me. I looked up, and I was like, wow, you play basketball? And he looked down at me, and he was like, do you play miniature golf? And I realized that that's not the, the question to ask a 6'8 guy. Because everybody asks that. So, Rick, being a Hall of Fame inductee, one of the greatest rock stars of all time, one of the best drummers of all time, if not, I say, the greatest drummer of all time, in one of the greatest selling bands of all time. What are some of the, my mom always said there's no dumb questions, but there are dumb questions. What are the things that people should not ask you? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's the obvious ones about, uh, about the name of the band or, uh, you know, I think sometimes People like the sound of their own voice instead of just going to the internet and finding out because the information's all out there. People want a direct connection with you and want sometimes fish for questions they didn't think about before and maybe ask something that's, you know, not as good as something else. <laughs> or, you know, um, how did you learn how to play the drums again? Uh, that, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a novel 
right there. Um, and the motivation. But everybody wants to know that. I know. Every, it from I, you. I know. It's true. It's a, that's an important question that you, you'll probably have to answer that question over and over and over again for, for the rest long, of my yeah, for the rest yeah, of your life. Yeah, because, it's true. Uh, you know, uh, people are curious. I'm always kind to people, though, and I do. I do always. Um, um, I give answers that uh, that are sound bites, so I don't have to get too elaborate about um, what I had to go through, because because yeah, it's uh, it's complex. It's very complex. So when I mean, what about? And I didn't add into it uh, being a, being an amputee, right? What are some of the questions? Because for me, and I don't know if this is right. But whenever I meet an amputee, I will ask immediately about the situation because I don't want to look off and act like I don't see what it is. Is that the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do? I just want to, I mean, or am I making huge mistakes and, and people don't want to be my friend anymore? No. Oh, yeah. So uh, we were in Santa Monica and um, um, we were standing at this uh, kid's park, right? And, yeah. there's, and there's the dad and there's this young boy. Best question anyone's ever asked. Yeah. And he's sitting on the swing, swinging, and he's looking at me. And he just, for the longest time, you could see the wheels turning in his head. He was, he was thinking about this one and what he was going to say. And then finally he just kind of cracked and he just said, where's your elbow? <laughs> that was the question. Yeah, yeah. and it's it, and that's something that is not offensive. Am I correct? Like that's something that you laugh with and you go. I his, fa get, his, his father thought yeah. it wasn't. His father was like, "Whoa, you, you know." Say that. <laughs> with yeah. Kids, they're, yeah. they're, they're so honest and beautiful. And you know, I remember at preschool, my daughter's preschool, Rick would come in. All the kids would kind of circle around him, trying to see where his arm was. To see, and they'd be like, "Is it tucked in your shirt? Like, where they'd is it?" They'd be trying to find it, trying to find it, and like touch him to see if it was in there. And you know, kids are so honest and curious. Um, it was. It would be so great if adults were just as you know. I've I've actually uh, allowed um, you know uh, allowed somebody to sort of pat me you know on my shoulder so they can feel it because. Some, sometimes the, 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 the kids, they don't really believe it. And, and I'm like, well, you know, trust me, it's really not there. But the other question is, well, where is it? Where did your arm go? Where did your arm go? And that's actually, oh, so that's a question I've asked before. And mm. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but um, I, think, I think to Lauren's point, uh, kids are just so pure and they just, when they ask questions like that, I just, I want to, I want to, I want to give them everything. You know, I want to, I want to, I want them to feel comfortable about being around me and I want them to know all the answers, but, uh, you know, I guess, I guess sometimes we, we have to figure those things out for ourselves, you know? Well, I think this is the most profound and mo uh, most meaningful question that I'll ask you is when did you decide to cut the mullet off? And Lauren, do you miss it and wish that he grew it back and, and round brushed his hair uh, every single day? <laughs> I never met him. But I don't think, have you had a mullet? 
Um, you had you had some long hair. Come on, you got you had it. You had to party in the back. Long, there was long. There was long. Joe was more. He was sporting the mullet. Okay. Um, you 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 didn't have party in the back though. Uh, you didn't have some party in the back in front. I remember. I remember these. Mine times. was more like yours. Mine was more like sort of. Um, it looked like this continuous sort of tea slope. Okay. It was like there were there were there was just Curl. hair. Lots, Curl. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, <laughs> It was like ski slope on the top and then curls underneath. And it was just, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I didn't know a decent, uh, a decent barber or hairdresser. Hey, wait a minute. You're saying that your hair was, was, was like Kelly's. Like no, 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 no. I love it. I love it. I love that you caught that, Lauren. I oh, love you. you. Uh, uh, your, your hair is low maintenance and that's how mine was. Okay. It, it you was, just let the curls go. Yeah, I ju- and I just let it go. I just kind of let it grow, and uh, I, party all over, not just in the back. And yeah. it was it wasn't slightly shorter on top, because we're gonna oh, we're gonna oh, we're oh. gonna go to the film. We're gonna go to the film. <laughs> we're gonna fu- people people are gonna be posting. They're gonna be like, look, there, here it was. Here here it goes. <laughs> we can bring yeah. it back. So they're gonna be like Rick. Rick just <laughs> insulted you. <laughs> no, hey, I take everything as a compliment, Rick. This is this is amazing. So I started the whole podcast because of iconic people like yourself, and I I did because I wanted to take my two kids, who was Maddox, who was eleven, and he's an absolute superhero, has more joy in him than anything. He's got this light about him. Uh, we were taking a trip to Fresno, and. He, he was like, we're going to Fresno. And and then we got to the airport and he was like, we get to go to, through security. And I was like, everything is the best to this kid. And then my daughter, McKenna, she's 13 years old. She's an artist. Um, she is an actress. She writes. I mean, she, oh man, she just her heart. And I wanted to take iconic people like yourself and I wanted to show my two kids that you are not superheroes. The two of you aren't superheroes. You don't have different blood running through your veins. You're human beings. And I didn't want my kids to have idols. I wanted them to have people that they could be inspired by and realize that anything is possible in life. So what advice would the both of you have for Maddox and McKenna and their new auntie, Lauren, and new uncle Rick is going to give you that advice. If you could use both their names, it would be awesome. I would say to Maddox and McKenna to always be you and that there's no one else like you and never compare yourself to anyone else. I, uh, and just be really proud of who you are, where you came from, never forget your family and, 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 and put light into everything you do. So you reach other people in a positive, positive way. And, and don't be intimidated by others who may be uh, seemingly more popular or more cool. Um, that doesn't matter in the end. You need to be you and um, just always do things from your heart. That's Rick, Rick, before you answer, I need you to start it off with Uncle Rick's uh, advice is, and then to let you know, my son also is very, very interested in, in playing the drums. So I just want to give that side thought before Uncle Rick gives his advice to Maddox and McKenna. Okay, Uncle Rick's advice to Maddox and McKenna would be, and it's 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 really, um, it's very similar to what Lauren said, um, but uh, celebrate uniqueness, um, celebrate the things that that you do naturally 
that not everybody, not everybody else can do. Um, but also celebrating everybody else's uniqueness. Uh, we're all pieces of this giant puzzle and uh, we all complement one another. And I think to, uh, to move into the world uh, in a way where, you know, you, you, just, you just see yourself as this, as this unique piece and uh, with, with, with you in this world, that puzzle just works. Lauren and Rick, you have been, I mean, better than advertised. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have, I have, ex but you're advertised at the highest level. My expectation for you was on like Jupiter, but you exceeded it today. And I, I want to finish with a quick story because I don't know if you guys remember this in the drum circle. We're going, we're doing our thing. I'm beating on the drum at first. I'm, I'm very self-conscious because I'm thinking they're going to find me out. They know I don't have rhythm. And then I get lost in it. And I've just got, I'm, I felt like Stevie Wonder. I had my glasses on because the sun was shining right on my forehead. I was sunburned afterwards. And I was just beating on a drum. I was animal. Bow, 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 bow. And then if you remember, Alvin Taylor said, everybody stop. And I was like, cool, everybody stop. And then he said, because he had the whistle and he was doing his thing. And then Alvin, who happens to be, uh, he, he drummed for Elton John and for uh, Little Richard and opened for Elfers Presley at one time. And I mean, everything. You guys know him. I mean, he's a friend of yours. But So he stops everyone. He's like, hey, all music starts with one rhythm. And I was like, yeah, cool. And then he said, you just need one rhythm. And then he said, let's go. And everyone started beating their drum. He said, stop. I need one person to start the rhythm. The rhythm starts with one person. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. Because I was thinking, I mean, you got Lenny Kravitz drummer. You got Godsmack. You got Widespread Panic. You got Guns N' Roses drummer. You got you, Rick. You got you, Lauren. I'm thinking, yeah, give me the rhythm. And then he turned and did the one thing that I did not want him to do. He pointed directly at me. And he said, you start the rhythm. I swear that moment at lasted for about three hours in my mind. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to start the rhythm. And I don't, I don't have it. I was like, God, I don't have it. And then I was like, it's your time. I was thinking I was going to get discovered, that you were going to be like, wow, his rhythm was so strong. He needs to go on tour with me. But I started doing it and it was off. And then he started uh, dancing and he started, you know, he started dancing. He was like, yeah, that's it. Keep it up. Keep it up. And I kept doing it and it was off and he kept doing it. Great. It wasn't off. And then Rick, this was a crazy moment for me because Rick, you were the first one to come in behind me and you started, comp you started complimenting me. You started pow, 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 pow. And then in comes uh, Franklin, Lenny Kravis driver. And he's with the cowbell, pow, pow. And now I'm empowered because I'm like, this is my rhythm. And then, yeah, the, whole, right. then the whole drum circle goes. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is the greatest of all time. And I just want to tell you how you make people feel, whether that's through the drum circle, with you guys working with veterans, Rick, with you being on stage, Lauren, with your music, which is honestly like your voice is unbelievable. I want you to understand how much of an impact you're having in, in, in people's lives. And it helped me to realize that it doesn't matter the rhythm that you possess. It matters that you play it all the time. And the two of you, I mean, my hat's off to you. And I thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks. That's so cool, bud. Well, 
everyone out there, you need to make sure and check out the uh, Raven, uh, the Raven Drum uh, organization uh, or foundation, uh, ravendrum.org. Uh, and uh, ravendrumfoundation.org. We've got it, uh, the links in the bio. We got the links for uh, Lauren's music. She's on tour, you need to check her out. Um, Rick, you're phenomenal. Thank you for helping me get the 10th hottest chick in eighth grade too. I appreciate that. Lauren, I look forward to being your friend for the rest of your life. And um, the two of you, my hat's off to you. Thank you so much for being a light in this world and you are officially off the hot seat. Thank you.